Hello, and welcome to another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm Molly Rands. And I'm Joanne Hathaway. We're very pleased to have April Allman and Alicia Chandler join us today as our podcast guests. April is Succession Planning Program Counsel at the State Bar of Michigan, and Alicia is Professional Responsibility Programs Director, also at the State Bar of Michigan. Both are with us today to talk about Rule 21, Law Practice Succession Planning. And now, April and Alicia, would you share some information about yourselves with our listeners? And let's start with you, Alicia. Thank you, Joanne, and thank you for allowing us to present today to you on this very important topic. My name, again, is Alicia Chandler. I'm Professional Responsibility Programs Director for the State Bar of Michigan. I've been working on the succession planning project for a number of years now and was delighted to be able to join you last fall. And and so today we're going to be focusing on this part of my position, which is assisting and managing our new Rule 21 requirements. April, I can turn the microphone over to you. Yes. Hi, April Allman. Thank you guys so much for having us. I am, again, that Succession Planning Program Counsel at the State Bar of Michigan. I am new to the State Bar, so I joined in December of last year, and I'm just really excited to join Alicia's team and get this program up and running. Great. Thank you both so much for being here today. Alicia, you had mentioned that you were here last year. And in our prior podcast in April of 22, we talked about how important it is for lawyers to ensure appropriate succession planning, especially those in private practice where clients can be harmed by the unavailability of their attorney. In an effort to protect clients, the public, and the State Bar of Michigan members, the Supreme Court of Michigan has enacted new rules that require Michigan attorneys to designate an interim administrator and name a person with interest. Can you help us by providing some details regarding these new rules? Absolutely, and thank you for asking. Yes, so the court enacted new additions to State Bar Rule 2, Uh, These are the rules that cover the membership of the state bar and what the state bar does. And one of those requirements is that, as you stated, that our members name a person with interest as, or I'm sorry, a person with knowledge as well as an interim administrator. And those rules are pretty detailed. So again, I'm going to recommend over and over again through this podcast that everyone takes an opportunity to review those rules. So basically what the new rules require are that person with knowledge, that's someone who knows about the location of the attorney's papers and files, electronic and kind of those hard paper files, as well as an interim administrator. They go into effect this September. So when each member renews their license this fall, they will be required, if they are in private practice, to nominate these two individuals. And the reason for this, like we talked about in the last podcast, the reason for this is to protect the public to protect our members, and most importantly, to protect the clients of any lawyers who become unable to practice. So unable to practice does not just mean deceased. It can mean temporarily unable to practice, which is why the succession planning that we talked about in the last seminar or presentation podcast, if you haven't listened to that, I'd recommend that you go back and listen to that as well about why this is so important. And these are the rules 
that the court put in place to deal with the issues that happen whenever a lawyer becomes disbarred, suspended, deceased, or unable to practice for a shorter period of time. Alicia, can you address the problem the rule changes were designed to solve? Thank you. And this is where I get um, a little excited, these next two questions. So the rules are designed to solve the problem of a lawyer becoming unable to practice and the types of things that must be done in that transitionary period. So the lawyer becomes unable to practice unexpectedly. Who is going to return those files to the client? Make sure that the client is protected. They have their file back. They have someone to appear in court for them. But there are all kinds of cases that aren't in court. For example, estate planning, or there may be uh, pre-litigation matters, business planning, all of those things. So what the rule is designed to solve is the problem, primarily that transitionary period when the lawyer becomes unable to practice and someone has to step in and help them, either temporarily or permanently, to transition their law office so that the client's are effectively represented. And then the second step of that, which is very important and near and dear to my heart, is that we also want to make sure that during that time frame, that the attorneys, our members, the State Bar of Michigan members' interest in their practice is also protected. So that if they're temporarily unable to practice, when they are able to practice again, they can come back in and still have a law firm and effective a system in place to continue their law practice, and then also to make sure that those clients and the family members, the attorney who becomes an affected attorney because they're unable to practice, that those family members don't have to deal with attempting to triage and handle that law firm when they're also dealing with trying to assist their family member, the affected attorney. So when we were going through the program, we found a few different issues that members had in different areas of the law and different geographical areas. So lawyers were saying, okay, I get it, Alicia, I need a succession plan, but I'm in the UP or I'm way out in the thumb and I don't know where I'm going to be able to find an interim administrator to be able to help my clients, to be able to help my family. And so the rule, as it's drafted, allows for someone to nominate their own interim administrator. So you can choose someone. But if you're unable to find someone, one of the biggest concerns that was spoken about in the past was the lawyer's inability to find someone, then they can participate in the State Bar of Michigan program, um, which April will talk about in a little bit. So the rules were designed to solve a few different problems. One of them, again, was protecting the clients, the practice, the family, and then affected attorney. And then on the other side of it, assist our members in being able to find an interim administrator, either through selecting their own or through the interim administrator program and that we have established. Alicia, there are so many terms in the rules. Can you tell us a little bit more about the terms or about the rules to help provide clarification? Yes, absolutely. There are so many terms in these rules. So the first term that's really, really important to know, 
Who does this apply to? The private practice attorney. Okay, who's a private practice attorney? A private practice attorney is one who has one or more clients for whom they provide legal services that require a Michigan law license. Basically, any time that you are taking on a case, if a lawyer takes on cases where they're representing clients using their Michigan law license, so it could be federal cases in the Eastern and Western District of Michigan, it could be any Michigan state cases, it could be any cases where you are drafting documents that are someone not licensed in the state of Michigan to practice law would not be allowed to draft. So it's all of those things that we consider the practice of law if you're doing that for private clients. So if you're working on behalf of a company, you wouldn't have to do that. If you're a prosecutor, a public defender working for an entity, you wouldn't fall within that rule. But private practice attorneys are all of those who have Michigan clients. The next term is that person with knowledge. This one's the easy one. That's whoever knows who your personal papers and electronic files are located. Maybe they know passwords, maybe they don't. But maybe they know that you keep copies of your most important things in a safe in your cottage in the UP, and that's where all of your important information is. That could be a spouse, it could be a family member, it could be a child, or oftentimes, though, it's one of the administrators in the office either an office manager or a paralegal or legal administrator. So usually that's your person with knowledge, but it really could be anyone. So we talk about interim administrators, and that term is used in several different ways. So an interim administrator, when you were using just those two words, that's an attorney or a law firm that's willing to step into this role to administer or wind up the law firm during that temporary period, the affected attorney's inability to practice. So we talk about affected attorney. That's an attorney. That's at the time that they become unable to practice law. Then they become affected by something that prevents them from being able to utilize their law license to practice their client or to uh, practice on behalf of their clients. So it could be a temporary mental disability, it could be a temporary physical disability, could be suspension, disbarment, or death. So the interim administrator steps in when the lawyer becomes affected unable to practice. But we use that interim administrator in, in three other ways. We talk about a nominated interim administrator. That's when you as a lawyer say to another attorney, I would like to nominate you to act in this position. So you're requesting from them that they be your designated interim administrator. So a nominated interim administrator means they haven't accepted, but the request has been out. A designated interim administrator means they have accepted the request and they are willing to act if the nominating attorney becomes an affected attorney. So other way that we use interim administrator is when we're talking about our program at the State Bar of Michigan, where the State Bar of Michigan would assist in locating an interim administrator to act when a lawyer becomes an affected attorney. 
So that's a lot of rules and a lot of terms, but hopefully it gives some guidance when we're going through this about how we're talking about those different people, different players. Rule 21 succession planning does impose a big change. And turning now to you, April, can you tell us more about these changes and to whom they apply? Yes, definitely. So as Alicia mentioned, there's an amendment to that state bar rule two, which houses some changes for all members, not just private practicing attorneys or private practice attorneys. So one of the changes that everyone is going to see during license renewal is this indication as to whether the member is willing to be placed on the state bar's list of attorneys who are willing to serve as interim administrators. So what this means, as Alicia mentioned earlier about the state bar's interim administrator program, that we would then be assisting attorneys to find an interim administrator or serve as their interim administrator if that's necessary. This is the list that we would be using to pull from. So everyone who's going through license renewal will see this option as a question to are they willing to be put on that list. And this list will be used for all of our members to to see and look through to determine if there's someone on there that would be willing to be nominated as their attorney or used by us to help locate an interim administrator by practice area or judicial circuit. So that's going to be something that is going to affect everyone come during license renewal. But the main changes are going to be for those private practice attorneys. As Alicia mentioned earlier, that interim administrator planning, getting that designation complete, and also naming your person with knowledge. Thank you so much, April. We are now going to take a short break from our conversation with April Allman and Alicia Chandler to thank our sponsors. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Welcome back. We're here with April Allman and Alicia Chandler talking about Michigan's Rule 21 Law Practice Succession Planning. April, here's another question for you. Let's discuss what's involved with actually nominating an interim administrator. Can you talk about what is required? Yes, definitely. So this first requirement of of designating an interim administrator. So what does that mean? So we know an interim administrator is either an active Michigan attorney in good standing or a Michigan law firm that includes at least one other Michigan attorney in good standing. So in order to get them to be that designated interim administrator, that means that that private practicing attorney is nominating them to serve 
and that they've then accepted that designation. So this will happen during license renewal in the member, or excuse me, during license renewal, but we also want, we're giving the opportunity for it to happen earlier during our, our member area this summer. So this summer, if private practicing attorneys want to get a head start on this, they'll be able to actually go to the member area and take a look at our interim administrator planning area and go through that process to, to get it done early. So even though it's not required until the fall of this year, we do want to give our members the opportunity to do this early. So essentially that they would locate that attorney or law firm, if it's their own law firm, nominate them, and then an email notification would be sent to that attorney or law firm. And they would open that up. It would give them instructions on what to do. They'll be able to accept or decline. If they accept, they then become that designated interim administrator, and that portion of the rule is satisfied. One tip for law firms, if a law firm is being nominated, that attorney, the nominating attorney, will also have to have an active Michigan attorney in good standing attached to that nomination so that that attorney can accept it. So this attorney should be someone who's employed by that law firm so that they can then accept on behalf of that law firm. The second well, for, and then I want to talk about, sorry, the um, state bars interim administrator, because that's another option. So if, if a private practicing attorney doesn't have an attorney or law firm to nominate, or they want the ease of just nominating the state bar, that would be the, the other option to of who you would, you're going to name as that interim administrator. So the State Bar of Michigan's program will be another option. This will also be available during the early launch of the member area as a designation to your intent to enroll. So if you wanted to get a head start on that as well, that will also be available. And essentially what the State Bar's program will be is a $60 annual fee to enroll in this program and then if that attorney ever becomes an affected attorney, like we talked about earlier, the state bar will then step in, either locate an interim administrator based on practice area and judicial circuits, or the state bar will step in as that interim administrator as well. So those are those options when you're talking about that first requirement. The second requirement would be naming that person with knowledge. This would also be available in that member area portion this summer but also during license renewal when it's actually required. And just like Alicia said, this person is someone, it doesn't have to be the interim administrator. It can be whomever the private practice attorney has that knows their firm, knows where their files are kept, knows all that information that's going to be used to assist that interim administrator at that time so that it goes really smoothly. We want that, that person with knowledge to be listed so that they can assist that interim administrator in completing their, their duties. These are some big changes. Alicia, what opportunities are available for members who are interested in being nominated by other attorneys to serve as an interim administrator or who would be willing to assist the interim administrator program and serve as an interim administrator. Thank you, Joanne. Yes, so we will have the opportunities to be on the list, which April was just talking about. 
and members will be able to join that list anytime, probably starting sometime in May or June. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast, you might be able to go in and sign up right away. And if you go to the State Bar of Michigan website, it'll be under the member area. That's the same area that you go to search the bar journal, go to Fast Case, renew your dues, update your profile, all of those things. And so one of the options that you'll be able to choose is to be added to the list. And those members that are on the list will be listed on somewhere within the member portal. So if I, as Alicia, were looking for an interim administrator, I will be able to log into the portal. I will be able to click a link and see a list of attorneys who are interested in being nominated by other law firms. So number one, I'm going to make a recommendation that if you're the selecting attorney before selecting someone for nomination, you reach out to them and seriously consider reviewing the State Bar of Michigan website under Rule 21 because we will have some planning documents available sometime in the next few weeks. But hopefully by the time you hear this podcast, they will be out there and they will be a sample interim administrator agreement, as well as some durable powers of attorneys, provisions for wills, provisions for fee agreements, those things. So when you're on the other side and you want to be on this list, those are things you might want to ask a member who's nominating you. Do you have those things in place or can we enter into an interim administrator agreement? So If you get on the list, number one, you may be contacted, your name, contact information, jurisdiction, geographical jurisdictions, and practice areas will be listed. You do not have to worry as much about practice areas unless you're looking to take over the firm. And then, of course, you'll want to focus on those practice areas. But if you're just looking to assist in winding up the firm, geographical area is what is the most important. So, If you're on the list, then any member who is in private practice could nominate you. But the positive thing is you don't have to accept the nomination. You can be listed. Take a look at that person. Is that a person that you would be interested in being their interim administrator? And if that's the case, you can accept the designation or reach out to them or you can deny it. So that's one of the opportunities. I think this would be a phenomenal opportunity for Some lawyers who are looking to grow their practices over the next maybe 5, 10, 15 years to enter into agreements like this with other law firms and members in their area so that they could slowly take over some firms as our other members retire or, you know, exit the practice of law. And then the list will also be used on the other side by the Interim Administrator Program of the State Bar of Michigan. So, If a member becomes an affected attorney and they've paid the $60, the annual fee to participate in the interim administrator program through the state bar, then if they become an affected attorney, we, the state bar, will reach out to members on the list in the geographical area in which that attorney who has become the affected attorney is located. And we will ask them, are you interested in being an interim administrator for this attorney? But again, there's no obligation. But if you're not on the list, you won't be asked. So if it's something you think you want to do, you might want to do, to, I would strongly encourage members to, to become part of the list because there might be an opportunity that 
presents itself that would be really good for either your firm or, you know, if practices slow down, particularly we'd love to wrap in our members, our, our senior members who have maybe wound winding up their practices, but who would be happy to assist or, you know, provide some guidance for the interim administrator program. April, I'm wondering when will an IA be required to act? Once that nominating attorney becomes an affected attorney, so when Alicia was talking about that term affected attorney, that's when that interim administrator is going to come in and and a need to be appointed through the circuit court. There's a little bit of a difference when it comes to naming their own law firm, which I'm going to get to, and the circuit court involvement. I'll get to that in, that, in, in the next part of the question there. But essentially, so an affected attorney is going to be defined as that private practicing attorney who is unable to practice law due to resignation, being disbarred, suspended, disappeared, imprisonment, abandoned the practice of law, becoming temporary or permanently disabled or incapacitated, transferred to disability and active status, or has passed away. So those are all portions of the rule. Um, It's Michigan Court Rule 9.301, subsection A. Those would all be situations where an interim administrator a designated interim administrator would then be appointed through the circuit court to act. I preference the circuit court involvement because I want to talk about this special scenario where if an attorney, private practice attorney, is nominating their own firm to serve, and there's a couple of requirements that that I'll talk about that need to be met, the circuit court does not need to appoint that interim administrator to act. So that could go on just as it's normally gone on for any attorney that's a part of a mid-level or large firm this is usually already done in this manner where they have something written that if that attorney is unable to act, the law firm is stepping in to take over those clients. So in that same respect, there's a special portion of the rules dedicated to those types of law firms. So if a private practicing attorney is naming one, it has to be their own firm designated as that interim administrator. That's one of the requirements. And that firm has at least one other active Michigan attorney in good standing who's capable of taking over that affected attorney's clients. And then the final requirement is each affected client then gives their express written consent for representation. So that's going to be an important thing. And those consents must be maintained in that client's file. So if all three of those are met, the law firm can continue to represent those clients without having the circuit court involvement happen. Alicia, can you speak about the general duties and powers of the interim administrator? Yes, I definitely can. So the general duties and powers are listed in the new court rule, which is MCR 9.307 for all of those members who didn't know there was a section nine to the rules, uh, the Michigan court rules, there is. These are set out in again, 9.307. The general duties take custody of the files and records, accounts, including trust accounts and operating accounts, 
reviewing files, notifying clients, notifying courts. All of these things are pretty much things that make sense, right? Delivering the files, funds, and property to the attorney or the clients to whom they are, to whom is entitled to those things. Take steps to protect the interest of the clients and the public. And it's important to note two things within these first set of rules. The first is that in 9.307B7, to take steps to protect the interests of the clients, the public, and the extent possible and not inconsistent with protection of the affected attorney's clients. The other thing that is in this rule is number eight, which is to comply with the terms of the agreement between the affected attorney and the interim administrator. So it's much like the trustee's duties. Uh, You have fiduciary duties in this role as an interim administrator. You're dealing with the accounts and the files, that traditional wind up, get the files back to whom they need to go, notify all of the important people, notify the courts and make sure that matters are adjourned to the best of your ability. But it's important that we think about beyond the scope of those very basic duties when you're creating your plans and thinking about what more would you like this person to be able to do. You could even have an agreement where the terms of sale are within your interim administrator agreement or other terms about how fees will be divided if the other attorney takes over the law firm or over particular clients. So the duties are very, very straightforward. They're, like I said, the traditional duties when you're in a fiduciary capacity, including 9.307C, the duty to inventory and account and report to the court. Generally, the interim administrator will act in most scenarios where the attorney has clients. There will be a court order. This will be a circuit court, much like a receivership, where they will receive those duties and they'll have that court order so they can take it to the banks and the others. However, there are options, which we won't go into this time. We'll do another podcast maybe over the duties of an interim administrator, but there are opportunities for the interim administrator to act without circuit court appointment. That's where a circuit court appointment under 9.305A1B would not be necessary. So if it's merely something like returning files to clients or those types of things where maybe the lawyer wasn't engaged in litigation at the time, They would still be taking custody of these files and the operating accounts, but they may be able to do that in a way that doesn't include court involvement. But if it does, then the interim administrator will be required to do that inventory accounting and reporting. They may have to do that anyway. Those are very general duties. There are a lot of little pieces. It's not an exhaustive list, but I hope that gives a little bit of guidance for you for our members about when they're thinking about accepting. Is this something that they're interested in doing? Again, I'd encourage them to review or you to review those rules to see what you're really getting yourself into. And if you're accepting the nomination as an interim administrator, but with that, I will mention that we will be here. 
We will be here to help you. We will be here to help you walk through the steps. We will have forms. And so don't be frightened. Don't think it's overburdensome. We really want people to to do this, to engage in this type of activity for their fellow members. But knowing what you're getting into is always important. This has been so very informative. With that, though, we have now come to the end of our show, and Molly and I would like to thank our guests today, April Allman and Alicia Chandler, for a wonderful program. If our listeners would like to follow up with you ladies, what is the best way to reach you? Yeah, so they can give us a call or an email. So the phone number would be 517-346-6355. Or they could shoot us an email at IAP at mishbar.org. So IAP at mishbar.org. Thank you both again so much for coming on today's show and talking about Rule 21. This has been another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast. I'm Joanne Hathaway. And I'm Molly Rands. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the State Bar of Michigan On Balance Podcast. Brought to you by the State Bar of Michigan and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find the State Bar of Michigan and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network or the State Bar of Michigan or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.